Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. Rene Descartes, Meditations on First Philosophy. Meditation 3 Of God, That He Exists. Part 2 When I speak of being taught by nature in this matter, I understand by the word nature only a certain spontaneous impetus that impels me to believe in a resemblance between ideas and their objects, and not a natural light that affords a knowledge of its truth. But these two things are widely different. For what natural light shows to be true can be in no degree doubtful, as, for example, that I am because I doubt, and other truths of the like kind, inasmuch as I possess no other faculty whereby to distinguish truth from error, which can teach me the falsity of what the natural light declares to be true, and which is equally trustworthy. But with respect to seemingly natural impulses, I have observed, when the question related to the choice of right or wrong in action, that they frequently led me to take the worst part, nor do I see that I have any better ground for following them in what relates to truth and error. Then, with respect to the other reason, which is that because these ideas do not depend on my will, they must arise from objects existing without me, I do not find it more convincing than the former. For just as those natural impulses, of which I have lately spoken, are found in me, notwithstanding that they are not always in harmony with my will, so likewise it may be that I possess some power not sufficiently known to myself, capable of producing ideas without the aid of external objects. And, indeed, it has always hitherto appeared to me that they are formed during sleep, by some power of this nature, without the aid of aught external. And, in fine, Although I should grant that they proceeded from those objects, it is not a necessary consequence that they must be like them. On the contrary, I have observed in a number of instances that there was a great difference between the object and its idea. Thus, for example, I find in my mind two wholly diverse ideas of the sun. The one, by which it appears to me extremely small, draws its origin from the senses, and should be placed in the class of adventitious ideas. The other, by which it seems to be many times larger than the whole earth, is taken up on astronomical grounds, that is, elicited from certain notions born with me, or is framed by myself in some other manner. These two ideas cannot certainly both resemble the same sun. And reason teaches me that the one which seems to have immediately emanated from it is the most unlike. And these things sufficiently prove that hitherto it has not been from a certain and deliberate judgment, but only from a sort of blind impulse that I believed existence of certain things different from myself, which, by the organs of sense or by whatever other means it might be, conveyed their ideas or images into my mind and impressed it with their likeness. But there is still another way of inquiring whether, of the objects whose ideas are in my mind, there are any that exist out of me. 
if ideas are taken in so far only as they are certain modes of consciousness, I do not remark any difference or inequality among them, and all seem, in the same manner, to proceed from myself. But, considering them as images, of which one represents one thing and another a different, it is evident that a great diversity obtains among them. For, without doubt, those that represent substances are something more, and contain in themselves, so to speak, more objective reality, that is, participate by representation in higher degrees of being or perfection, than those that represent only modes or accidents. And again, the idea by which I conceive a God, sovereign, eternal, infinite, immutable, all-knowing, all-powerful, and the creator of all things that are out of himself, this, I say, has certainly in it more objective reality than those ideas by which finite substances are represented. Now, it is manifest by the natural light that there must at least be as much reality in the efficient and total cause as in its effect. For whence can the effect draw its reality, if not from its cause? And how could the cause communicate to it this reality unless it possessed it in itself? And hence it follows, not only that what is cannot be produced by what is not, but likewise that the more perfect, in other words, that which contains in itself more reality, cannot be the effect of the less perfect. And this is not only evidently true of those effects whose reality is actual or formal, but likewise of ideas, whose reality is only considered as objective. Thus, for example, the stone that is not yet in existence not only cannot now commence to be, unless it be produced by that which possesses in itself, formally or eminently, all that enters into its completion, in other words, by that which contains in itself the same properties that are in the stone, or others superior to them. And heat can only be produced in a subject that was before devoid of it, by a cause that is of an order, degree, or kind, at least as perfect as heat, and so of the others. But further, even the idea of the heat, or of the stone, cannot exist in me unless it be put there by a cause that contains at least as much reality as I conceive existence in the heat or in the stone. For although that cause may not transmit into my idea anything of its actual or formal reality, we ought not on this account to imagine that it is less real. But we ought to consider that, as every idea is a work of the mind, its nature is such as of itself to demand no other formal reality than that which it borrows from our consciousness, of which it is but a mode, that is, a manner or way of thinking. But, in order that an idea may contain this objective reality, rather than that, it must doubtless derive it from some cause in which is found at least as much formal reality as the idea contains of objective. For, if we suppose that there is found in an idea anything which was not in its cause, it must, of course, derive this from nothing. But, however imperfect may be the mode of existence by which a thing is objectively or by representation in the understanding by its idea, we certainly cannot, for all that, 
allege that this mode of existence is nothing, nor, consequently, that the idea owes its origin to nothing. Nor must it be imagined that, since the reality which considered in these ideas is only objective, the same reality need not be formally, actually, in the cause of these ideas, but only objectively. For, just as the mode of existing objectively belongs to ideas by their peculiar nature, so likewise the mode of existing formerly appertains to the causes of these ideas, at least to the first and principal, by their peculiar nature. And although an idea may give rise to another idea, this regress cannot, nevertheless, be infinite. We must, in the end, reach a first idea, the cause of which is, as it were, the archetype in which all the reality or perfection that is found objectively or by representation in these ideas is contained formally and in act. I am thus clearly taught by the natural light that ideas exist in me as pictures or images, which may, in truth, readily fall short of the perfection of the objects from which they are taken, but can never contain anything greater or more perfect. And in proportion to the time and care with which I examine all those matters, the conviction of their truth brightens and becomes distinct. But, to sum up, what conclusion shall I draw from it all? It is this. If the objective reality or perfection of any one of my ideas be such as clearly to convince me that this same reality exists in me neither formally nor eminently, and if, as follows from this, I myself cannot be the cause of it, it is a necessary consequence that I am not alone in the world, but that there is besides myself some other being who exists as the cause of that idea. While, on the contrary, if no such idea be found in my mind, I shall have no sufficient ground of assurance of the existence of any other beings besides myself. For, after a most careful search, I have, up to this moment, been unable to discover any other ground. But among these my ideas, besides that which represents myself, respecting which there can be here no difficulty, there is one that represents a god, others that represent corporeal and inanimate things, others angels, others animals, and finally there are some that represent men like myself. But with respect to the ideas that represent other men, or animals, or angels, I can easily suppose that they were formed by the mingling and composition of the other ideas which I have of myself, of corporeal things, and of God, although they were, apart from myself, neither men, animals, nor angels. And with regard to the ideas of corporeal objects, I never discovered in them anything so great or excellent which I myself did not appear capable of originating. For, by considering these ideas closely and scrutinizing them individually, in the same way that I yesterday examined the idea of wax, I find that there is but little in them that is clearly and distinctly perceived.
As belonging to the class of things that are clearly apprehended, I recognize the following, namely, magnitude or extension in length, breadth, and depth, figure, which results from the termination of extension, situation, which bodies of diverse figures preserve with reference to each other, and motion, or the change of situation, to which may be added substance, duration, and number. But with regard to light, colors, sounds, odors, tastes, heat, cold, and the other tactile qualities, they are thought with so much obscurity and confusion that I cannot determine even whether they are true or false. In other words, whether or not the ideas I have of these qualities are in truth the ideas of real objects. For although I before remarked that it is only in judgments that formal falsity, or falsity properly so called, can be met with, there may nevertheless be found in ideas a certain material falsity, which arises when they represent what is nothing as if it were something. Thus, for example, the idea I have of cold and heat are so far from being clear and distinct that I am unable, from them, to discover whether cold is only the privation of heat, or heat the privation of cold, or whether they are or are not real qualities. And since, ideas being as it were images, there can be none that does not seem to us to represent some object, the idea which represents cold as something real and positive will not improperly be called false. If it be correct to say that cold is nothing but a privation of heat, and so in other cases. Tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free, tis the gift to come down where we ought to be, and when we find ourselves in the place just right, twill be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we will not be ashamed. To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right. <laughs>